Amen. Huh? This, this should be interesting to see if I get a show of hands on this question. All right. How many guys out there are one of those kind of people who always has to get the last word in? Praise God for your honesty. I think there should be more, but we'll just leave it at that, okay? Well, believe it or not, for those people who are brave enough to raise your hands, I got some good news uh, for you. You see, apparently, we get pretty creative as folks, and apparently you can not only get the last word in here on earth, but apparently, listen, you can now get it in, the last word, even after you leave the earth. You want to know how? Sure, Pastor, really? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks for that. Yeah, okay. And apparently what you do is you leave that last word on your tombstone. And people actually do this. I kid you not. I'm going to share some with you. It's hilarious. These are all real. I'm not making it up. Last words on some tombstones, okay? This one's in a, a England cemetery. It's from a lady who died, Annis Wallace. This is actually what's on there. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord sent them manna. Old Clark Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent manna. <laughs> I think that was the husband getting the last word. Woo, I tell you what. Here's one in uh, Vermont. It says this. Here lies the body of our Anna, a different one, done to death by a banana. It wasn't the fruit that laid her low, but the skin of that thing that made her go. Okay, last word, I guess. Uh, this is what Harry Edsel, this is in Albany, New York. He says, born 1903, died 1942. He looked up the elevator shaft to see if the car was on the way down. It was. <laughs> That's pretty well. In Georgia, I love this one. It simply has this on the tombstone. I told you I was sick. <laughs> That's so true in our house. We'll just skip that, shall we? <laughs> in the Indiana Cemetery, listen, says this. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Ooh, but listen, true story. Somebody saw that one under, uh, and scratched this underneath that tombstone. Said this, hey, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> Isn't that some good advice? Okay. Okay. And folks, the purpose of sharing with you those tombstones wasn't merely just to encourage us, that's right, to get that last word in, as tempting as that is. Okay. But actually, it's to encourage you that, listen, you better get it right with God before you leave this earth. Okay. Whatever you do, don't be like this guy. Okay. Let's take a look. This man is about to die. In 12 minutes, he'll be killed instantly by a reckless driver. Fortunately, he has life insurance, savings, and money for college tuition. This man has taken care of everyone he's about to leave behind. The only person he hasn't insured is himself. The only thing for which he never planned is eternity. Are you this man? Hmm. Interesting. That kind of lays it on the line, doesn't it? Hey guys, uh, you know, I know it's early, but I think you'll get the right answer on this one. How many guys would say that stepping out into eternity, listen, without insurance with God, is probably one of the lamest things you could do? I'm trying to be kind, right? Yeah, just, just a little bit. I mean, I, mean, I mean, listen to what the world does. They're a master at getting us to focus on things that really don't matter for eternity. I mean, really, at what point, even though that's a good thing to do, what point does saving up for a college tuition do you at that point? What good does a life insurance here on earth at this point do you for all eternity? Nothing. The point is you need to get insurance all right. You need to get insurance from God. And the Bible says that the only way you can get that insurance is through the insurance of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's the only policy we really need. That's the main important one. And so the point is don't be like that guy. 
Okay, today you need to settle the issue. Why? Because the Bible is clear. Life is not a game. Eternity is not a game. The Bible is clear. Praise God. Through Jesus Christ, you're either going straight up into heaven or if you reject him, you're going straight into hell. There is no in-between. Jesus is the only way to escape going to the ladder. Okay, and folks, again, here's the point. You can scoff all you want, man. But one minute after you die, you'll discover just like that. Oh my goodness, it was all true. Every last bit of it. Why didn't I listen? But now it's too late. Forever. Therefore, to one more time, lovingly warn those who may indeed be headed in the wrong direction. We're going to continue in our study one minute into eternity. One minute, man. You're going to find out. It might even be less than that. Okay. Maybe one second. Okay. But what we're doing is we're taking a look at the four classical objections that people seem to have when it comes to eternity or eternal matters. And we've already seen the first objection they seem to come up with is, well, wait a second. Is there even life after death? Yes, there is. Then we saw the second objection. Uh, well, all right, then what happens when you die? Okay, well, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. Then we saw, well, the third objection is, well, wait a second, is there really a hell? Is there really a literal place of suffering and eternal torment? Uh, yeah, uh, not only does the Bible replete about that, but it records the words of Jesus who's replete about that. And contrary to our skeptical, scoffing society, listen, hell's not just real, but hell is not temporary. It is not annihilation. It's not just for those really rotten people like Hitler, because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it certainly is not some big old party with your buddies. You can laugh, you can make jokes about it, you can scoff all you want, folks, but the existence of hell is real, it is not a joke, and it is not a party. It is going to be your absolute worst nightmare forever. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And if you're going to accept one teaching from him over here, you've got to accept all of his teachings over here, or you're making a very unfortunate mistake. Okay? But that's the fourth objection that skeptics uh, come up with. They say, all right, fine. Fine. It's really his life after death. And we're really going to one of two places when we die. And one of those two places really is this horrible place of suffering and torment called hell. Well, wait a second then. I mean, is this, is this true? I mean, is there really a heaven? I mean, is there really an option to this thing? Is this really, for, is this just pie in the sky? Is this just opiate for the masses? It's just what those church people do and those pastors to manipulate people to give them their cash to promise them this. And folks, again, this is a logical, straightforward question. You and I, the Christians, should not run away from this because stop and think about it. This is pure logic. This is great. You should be excited when people ask these questions. If all this Jesus stuff is true and there really is life after death and we're really going of one of two places when we die and one of them really is a literal hell, then is this place also real? Is there really a literal heaven? Is there a wonderful, awesome, forever alternative to torment and suffering? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is. That's the awesome news, man. I stated this last week. Do you understand that when Jesus died on the cross, listen, it wasn't just the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, it was that. But because our sins are forgiven, what's the reward? Heaven. Absolutely mind-blowing. And because God's not just a God of justice, he's a God of love as well. And the Bible is clear, the place that he has prepared, listen, for those who have received his free gift of love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, this place is not just real. This place is really beyond your wildest dreams. It'll blow you away forever. Okay, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Revelation 21 is our opening text. Revelation 21. And uh, let's take a look there. The new heavens and the new earth is a context that we're dealing with. Now, if you find the tables of weights and measures, what do you do? 
left. Maybe a page or two, but that's usually a good sign. Revelation 21. All right, let's just take a look at what are just some, and this is just one passage, okay? What is it going to be like? Uh, the new heavens and the new earth, okay? The state of eternity, the theologians would say. Revelation 21, uh, verse 1 through 4. Here's what uh, the apostle John says. He says, now listen, I, I, I saw this new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now stop right there. Can I tell you? Can, let me translate that for you. That means this present garbage can we're on with all the garbage that goes on, it's gone. No more of this stuff. Forever. It's passed away, man. That's the first thing. Then he starts to give some descriptions. And he says, and then there's no longer any sea. And he says, and I saw this holy city. Not just a city, a holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Listen to this. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And again, if you were here, okay, at the wedding just yesterday, when Michaela came up the aisle, it was very creative of her. And Robin, I'm assuming, helped her out on it. But they made this, they just threw together this like a burlap thing. I don't know, was it a potato sack she made the thing out of? You know, she just, it looks like she just got out of bed. And, you know, we still went through it. And it was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. But it was just this old thing. I, I think uh, Oz might have had at least one pair of socks on. And he just ran in here with suspenders hanging when you go to a wedding when you're in the wedding the bride and the groom what do you do on that day it's the best of the best of the best of the best that's what the scripture says as a bride beautifully adorned for her husband it is maxed out you've never seen anything like this before and so shall it always be and then he goes in on even some more further discussion. He says, and then I heard this loud voice from the throne saying, now listen, no more of this invisible stuff, right? Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's not gonna be any more death, praise God. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Why? Because the old order of things have passed over away it's gone and not just for a weekend it's gone for good okay that's our existence okay the bible clearly says guys there really is an alternative to hell and what a place this place is okay it's a place of eternal joy not just some joy eternal joy eternal bliss it really exists i'm not making it up it says right there that we're going to this place that god himself is building and is so decked out he uses a vernacular saying that we all get wow look at that outfit that's amazing in fact let's all rise for the bride right that's the tradition What's it going to be like when we get to heaven? God has got this place decked out. It is absolutely mind-blowing. All this stuff that we go through here on earth, all the privations, all the baloney, all the headaches, all the, the problems, it's all gone forevermore, okay? But that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just one passage telling us some characteristics of this wonderful place called heaven that we could go if we would just receive Christ as our Savior. Uh, again, Psalms 2 says it's the actual dwelling place of God. I can't belabor this enough, folks. Right now, we can't see God, but He is real. Well, then he doesn't exist. Really? How many guys see the TV waves going through this sanctuary? How about the radio waves? Praise God, none of you raised your hand. Okay, okay. How many guys see the heat? Uh, uh, I don't see the heat, right? We feel the effects of it, but we can't see it. So just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's real. Give me a break. We deal with this all the time. But in heaven, you get to see him. No more invisible stuff. To see, to see what the apostles saw, the risen Christ with their own eyes, the dwelling place of God. And then not only that, it's surrounded with angels. 
Holy angels, not the demons we got to deal with down here. These are the good guys, okay? And they're hanging out there, Matthew 18. It's a heavenly country, not like our current version, right? And I say this before, in heaven there's not going to be any more politics, right? Cut the word in half, poly means many, ticks are blood-sucking creatures, all that's gone, folks. In heaven, this is a heavenly country. No more of that stuff, okay? And uh, it's, it's a holy place, not unholy place. It's a holy place, Isaiah 57. Uh, it's eternal paradise. You get there and you can't get kicked out. <laughs> it's not even just for two weeks. It's awesome. It lasts forever and it's paradise, okay? It's a place where the pavement is gold, right? And uh, Revelation 21, it's a place where the, the gates are made of pearls. Each gate, it says there, was made from a single pearl and they're big gates. How many guys would like to find that clam? I said, well, that can't be real. Excuse me, God created the universe and just speaking a word into existence, he can't make that? Give me a break, okay? A place where the gates are made of pearls, a place where the foundations are precious gems. You get this? God doesn't use concrete. He doesn't use mortar. He uses precious gems as the foundation. What a place. It's a place of eternal rest. Anybody get tired? Forever and ever and ever and ever Heaven is a state of rest. And at the same time, it's a state of eternal joy at the same time. Resting completely full of eternal joy, Revelation 7. A place without wickedness, praise God, Revelation 22. A place without darkness, Revelation 21. A place without sin, Revelation 21. A place without tears, Revelation 21. A place without mourning, Revelation 21. A place without pain, Revelation 21. A place without death, Revelation 21. A place of absolute purity, Revelation 21. It's a place that is filled with the glory of God, Revelation 21. And it's an everlasting place, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 praise God again it says it never ever 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 ends there's no threat of it stopping there's no thing well I hope somebody doesn't throw a coup up here and take this over and this will all be gone <laughs> it's forever forever and ever I don't know about you guys but I, I, maybe it's just me but I'm thinking heaven is not just cool okay capital C capital O capital O capital L for those of you hooked on spelling I'd say it's a place you really, you really don't want to miss, right? Now, here's the whole point, folks. And that's just a little bit of a study of it. Okay, the characteristics. Who in their right mind then, if you understood really what heaven is, who in their right mind would reject God's loving, gracious offer to go to that place for free? Especially knowing that we all deserve to go to the other place of eternal suffering and torment for all eternity. Why in the world would you do that? So to encourage uh, people to respond to, hopefully, God's loving, wonderful call to heaven before it's too late, uh, we're going to take a look at three amazing aspects of what happens when we do choose to go to heaven through Jesus Christ. And that's the only way, by the way. Uh, the first amazing aspect is we get a new heavenly body. Anybody excited about that? I uh, see you young uh, uh, crumb snatchers, except for maybe Robert. Uh, you don't usually get that. <laughs> but the older you get, man, whoo, this is sweet news. Are you serious? I get a new one? Yeah, this is what Paul talks about. This is great news. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great passage, the resurrection passage, uh, verse 42 and 44 says, it's the same way for the resurrection of the dead. He says, now our earthly bodies which die and decay, right? Hey, they're going to be different when they're resurrection. Uh, okay, anybody can say amen? Okay. Because <laughs> these guys are never going to die. Woo! For their natural human bodies now. But when they're raised, they're going to be spiritual bodies. Okay? For just as there are natural bodies, how many guys with a natural body right now can verify that? 
Praise God, you're starting to wake up. Okay, so just as we have these guys right now, be rest assured, guess what? There's also going to be a spiritual body. You can bank on it. Okay, is what he's talking about there. And the Bible clearly says that folks, you and I, listen, Christian, will not continue to exist in heaven as we exist here on earth right now. It says, in fact, the Greek's really emphatic. It says, it, uh, it's a, listen, it's, it's a must. Uh, a day, I think in the Greek there, it's out of absolute necessity. Is what he says. It's not just going to happen. It's an absolute necessity. We have to be changed in order to partake of our new surroundings. And the first change that is an absolute necessity, if you're going to go to heaven, is you have to get a brand new heavenly awesome body. Okay? And the first characteristic, he says, is that our bodies are going to become imperishable. Now, that's a cool Christianese phrase, right? Imperishable. Imperishable. That's a guy thing. Imperishable. Right? What's that mean? Let me break it down for you. Stop and think about what it means to have now an imperishable body. As he alluded to, that means your body's never going to die, ever. Your body's never going to rot. You're never going to decay. Your body's never going to break down. You won't even age. Is that incredible or what? And think about what this means. I mean, start to think about all the things that we go through on earth that we'll never experience forever in heaven. That means, listen, there's no more backaches. Uh, no more broken bones. No more disease. No more, uh, ladies, yes, anti-aging creams. Like this lady found out. Uh, one day there was this four-year-old little girl and she walked into the bathroom while her mother was putting her makeup on, right? And so the little girl announced, she says, I'm going to look just like you, mommy. And her mother said, yeah, maybe when you get older, when you grow up. And the little girl says, no, mommy, tomorrow. Because I just put on that oil of old lady you always use. <laughs> it's old lady, you little crumb snatcher. <laughs> Think about this, ladies, right? All this stuff that goes on, guys, whatever. Hopefully you don't use that, but anyway, we'll listen to this topic. Uh, but uh, uh, listen, in heaven, you're not going to have to do that anymore. In heaven, there are no such thing, let alone a need for oil of old lady creams. Right? Why? Because our bodies will never wear down. Which means, that means there's no more wrinkles, no more crinkles, no more age spots, no more nothing. Uh, none of that stuff. All these makeup companies, Max Factor, whatever they are, they are going bankrupt. Okay? It's gone. It's done. Woo! No more of that stuff. Alright? And, listen, this is cool. You will never, ever, ever have this kind of conversation with your friends ever again. And praise God for that. Listen to this. One day, this group of Florida senior citizens were sitting around and they were talking about all their ailments, right? And this one person spoke up and said, man, my arms are, they're so weak. I, I, I can hardly even hold this cup of coffee. And another one says, yeah, I know. I said, man, my, my cataracts are getting so bad. I, I can't even see my coffee. And then another person pipes up and says, oh yeah? Well, it's gotten to where I can't even hear anything anymore. And the fourth person pipes up and says, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I can't even turn my head with the arthritis in my neck. And then, and then the other person, well, that's nothing. My blood pressure pills make me dizzy. And another person, well, you think that's bad? I can't even remember what I'm doing half the time. And if I don't make myself a note, I forget what I'm trying to do in the first place. <laughs> An old wise man in the group, he winced and he shook his head. He says, yeah, I guess that's the price we pay for getting old. And there's a short silence and this woman cheerfully piped up and says, well, hey, it's not that bad. Thank goodness we can all still drive. <laughs> okay, repeat after me. Get off the road. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Anybody glad that in heaven, you're never going to hear those conversations? Amen. Amen for various reasons. Yes, you can clap. Yes. <laughs> 
Okay. Why? Because again, this is what the Bible is. When you take that one word and explode it out, don't speed read through the Bible. Take your time. Chew on it, as the scripture says to do. Wow. Just that one word, what a mind-blowing existence. Our bodies are going to be imperishable. Which means, again, uh, no more will you wake up and you go to your breakfast table and hear snap, crackle, and pop and discover you're not eating cereal. Okay? Uh, No more are you going to go to bed realizing that you and your teeth don't sleep together anymore. Okay? Uh, No more are you going to wake up actually looking like your driver's license picture. Okay? And no more, listen, are you going to look for your glasses for a half hour before you realize they're on your head the whole time? Right? You won't have any problems remembering. And number two, you won't even need glasses in heaven. Okay? Our bodies in heaven are going to be perfect. But that's not all. If that wasn't cool enough, it also used another word there. And he says our bodies are going to be spiritual. Not just imperishable. Our bodies in heaven are going to be spiritual. Now, that simply means this, guys. That means that our body is going to be like Jesus' body when he was raised uh, from the dead. And this is mind-blowing. This is like Star Trek stuff, but it's biblical fact. When you take a look at the characteristics of Jesus' resurrected body, you see that he was not affected by matter. In other words, he could just, if you will, walk straight through doors. He just simply appeared and disappeared. Isn't that awesome? Hey, no more traffic. You're just there. Right? That's what he's talking about here. And yes, for those who are wondering, we still will have the ability to eat food. Oh, yes. <laughs> who said that? That's funny. Okay. Why? Because the, what's the Bible say? What did Jesus do after he was resurrected from the dead? He still hung out on earth for a while. He ate with his disciples. And he wasn't some see-through amoeba guy, some ghost figure, and the fish went, Ooh, that's gross. He was a real guy, real flesh and blood, right? And he ate, okay? And I don't know about you, but that's good news for us Southern Baptists. Hey, turn to somebody, encourage them, and say, hey, man, we get to eat potlucks forever. Uh, Don't even start, John. We're talking about heaven. Okay, okay. But again, this is just our body. And this is, I'm just pulling out two aspects. That's just the body. I got to move on. Let's go to the second amazing aspect about heaven is we get a new abode or dwelling place or house, if you will. This is, ab- and listen, it's not just any house. This thing uh, uh, blows you away. In fact, that's exactly what the text says. God says, you ain't going to believe this baby. I'm building for you. Watch this. This is the text there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 9. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, listen to this place we get to live in. No eye has seen no ear has even heard Uh, your mind cannot even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him now does anybody here have an imagination right you consider yourself a pretty creative person okay you can imagine a lot you can think about a lot you can dream a lot okay but the Bible says here, folks, the, uh, that our new heavenly abode is not only going to be a place prepared for us by God himself, and when God makes something, whoa, okay, is all you got to say. But it says here it's going to be absolutely, literally unimaginable. It is going to be a place beyond our wildest dreams. I don't care how much you can imagine. You can't even imagine what this place is going to be like. I mean, he gives us little snippets in the text there of what it's going to be like, and that's mind-blowing itself. He says, that's nothing, man. That's just like a teaser of a teaser of a teaser of a teaser of what this place is going to be like, okay? And to try to expand, if you will, our imaginations of what does he mean that we can't even imagine what this place is going to be like. Let's try to expand this. This is, again, I'm not saying, again, build your theology on the afterlife with a Christian near-death experience. But, but by way of just example, let's just take a look. And this guy is a Christian guy who died, and before he came back, he just says he saw this stuff. Let's just take a look at what he says. 
The saints were worshiping God. They worshiped God with one voice and raised their hands as they were singing. Daniel heard the sound of many instruments and the sounds were like nothing he had encountered before. He longed to join these people and moved over towards them, but the angels stopped him. Daniel, let's visit the mansions Jesus prepared for his people. Immediately, Daniel was in a new place with radiant mansions as far as the eye could see. It was incomparable to anything he knew on earth. Though the appearance resembled buildings, the structure was unusual, not made of any earthly materials. They seemed to be alive, moving. There was a sound of beautiful singing and worship, and it seemed to come from all around. Daniel wondered where the singing was coming from, because he could see no people there. Daniel, the worship song you're hearing is being sung by the flowers. As he looked, Daniel saw the flowers swaying in response to the music. It actually seemed as if they were clapping their hands, shouting, and praising God. They are waiting for the saints. Well, that's kind of weird. Now again, before you, I'm not saying build your theology on the afterlife on a near-death experience, even a so-called Christian one, but before you write that guy off that uh, singing flowers, Apparently that guy was eating chicken too, like Robert, when he got in his accident. I don't know what's going on. Come on, there's no way that part's real. Now, pay attention, folks. This is what's wild. Okay, listen. Before you write that off as a bunch of baloney, singing, flowers, swaying, all this stuff, music, what? Okay, first of all, God can do whatever he wants to do. What's impossible with man is possible with God. But more importantly, in the spirit of what we just saw in our text, no eye has seen, no ears heard. Listen, we even know scientifically that this is actually possible if God chose to expand our senses. This is what one guy said. He says, the electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic spectrum contains all the different wavelengths, like the radio waves, the microwaves, including a small piece called light. He says, now your eyeball can only see the colors, red, orange, yellow, blue, uh, violet, that's all. He said, that's it. He says, but the spectrum goes forever in both directions forever beyond that. He says, now, stop and think about this. He says, suppose we get to heaven and God gives us new eyes that can see the entire spectrum. He says, that means, listen, that we know scientifically, even here on earth, that that means there's going to be brand new colors. Trillions of them. Not new shades of our current colors. Brand new colors. And he says, that's why heaven has to be so large. It's for the women's closets. <laughs> hey, he said that, not me. He said, but then keep going. 
He said, can you imagine if we get new eyes that can see the whole spectrum? He says, you're going to be able to see the sounds coming off the piano. Right now we can only hear them, but imagine seeing the sounds. What if we get new ears that hear the whole spectrum? He says, you're going to be able to hear the colors. You're going to be able to smell them or taste them. He says, we only have five senses. Maybe there's actually more. He says, but if all God did was take our five senses and expanded them to the max, we would spend forever walking around heaven going, wow, did you smell that? Did you hear that? Taste that? <laughs> Let me restate the title of this sermon. It's called Heaven. So, <laughs> now, wait a second. Now, what's the text say? No eye has seen. No ear has heard. Your mind can't even imagine in its current state how awesome this place is going to be that God has prepared for us. And folks, I say this all the time. I truly believe when Paul says, hey, Christian, by the way, while you're down here on earth, don't get stuck here on earth. Don't do, he says, have your mind on things above, not on this earth. And I truly believe if we understand and continue to do that, to do contrary to what society says, they says, don't keep your head in the clouds. Are you kidding me? Bible says to. Don't forget where you're headed. And if we do that and we truly believe that, it would save us a whole lot of headache here on earth. Wasting our times on goofy stuff. Okay? Like this guy. Once there was this rich man and he was near death and he was really grieved that he'd worked so hard for all his money and he wanted to be able to take some of them with him to heaven. You know, unlike the other guy's suit, uh, pillowcase technique that didn't work. This is a different guy. And uh, so this guy began to pray that he might be able to take at least some of his wealth with him. Well, an angel heard his plea and appeared to him and said, sorry, but you can't take your wealth with you. And the man, he, he implores the angel, please speak to God and see if God would maybe, you know, bend the rules a little bit. So the angel goes to God and, and then reappears back to the man and informs him that God has decided to allow this guy to take one suitcase with him. That's it. And so overjoyed, the man, listen, he gathers his largest suitcase and he fills it with pure gold bars and he puts it right beside his bed, Right? And so soon after, the man dies and he shows up at the gates of heaven and he's greeted by guess who? St. Peter. He's always there for some reason. And so St. Peter says, hey, hey, wait a second. Hold on, now, hold on. You can't bring that in here. And the man explains, hey, St. Peter, I got permission from the Lord. Just go check it out. And so Peter goes and checks it out. He comes back. He says, yeah, okay, you're all right. He says, okay, you're allowed one carry-on bag. He says, but I'm supposed to check the contents before I let you through. And so St. Peter opens the guy's suitcase, inspects it, and he exclaims back to the guy, he says, what? <laughs> you brought pavement? <laughs> you brought pavement. Do we have any idea where we're headed? Do you have any idea how much this world has got us snookered off the wrong path? And we will run ourselves ragged. We will kill each other. We will fight each other. We will claw and sacrifice these lives for gold or money, the very thing that God just has as pavement in heaven? Have we forgotten where we're headed, okay? Folks, this is absolutely amazing. This is our existence forever. We not only get these awesome new bodies in heaven, we not only get a place where the streets, the pavements are made of actual gold and all the other stuff that our minds can't even conceive. But God is so gracious. He gives us a third aspect. He gives us, I truly believe, Christian, a heavenly goodbye. 
Do you know that as a Christian, the scripture is clear. Jesus Christ not only came to destroy the devil's work, he came to rescue those who always were slaves to fear, afraid of dying. Not anymore, Christian, because we got the victory through Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul was saying this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This time 54 through 55 and 57 through 58. He says, now when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written is going to come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. When it comes to the Christian to die, if the rapture does not take place first, the scripture is clear. Here's the benefit, guys. We do not have to freak out about it. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be afraid about it because the Bible says we are the ones who have the victory. We have the victory through Jesus Christ. That's why he says we can, even in the face of death, we can stand firm, nothing can move us. We, the Christian, could look death square in the face and say, ah, ha, ha, you're the loser, not me. Because I've got the victory through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. You don't even have to worry about your passing. Okay, we've got the victory uh, through Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, as a Christian, our last breath here is our first breath in heaven. And so shall it always be. In fact, sometimes, if you pay attention, God gives his children a taste of heaven before we even get there. Okay, here's just a couple testimonies. Uh, uh, the famous uh, Christian Dwight Moody, he woke from sleep shortly before dying. And he says, earth recedes, heaven opens before me. If this is death, it's sweet. There's no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. Moody's son says, no, father, you're dreaming. He was there by his bedside. And he says, are you kidding? He says, I'm not dreaming. I've been within the gates. This is my triumph. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. And he went to heaven. He got the victory through Jesus Christ. Well, that's a good way to go. Uh, this guy, uh, Augustus, however you pronounce that guy, uh, he's a preacher and he's the guy that wrote Rock of Ages. Here's what he said on his deathbed. The consolations of God to such an unworthy wretch are so abundant that he leaves me nothing but to pray for but a continuance of them. I enjoy heaven already in my soul. And then he went to heaven. Lady Gnork said, hey, if this is dying, it's the what? Pleasantest thing imaginable. And then went to heaven. John Pawson, he was a pastor. He says, I know I'm dying, but my deathbed is a bed of roses. I've got no thorns planted on my dying pillow. In Christ, heaven has already begun. Woo! And he went to heaven. Okay? I had an arm Judson. If you know him, he's a famous missionary to Burma. He says, I, will, I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. I feel so strong in Christ. And he went and he received his reward. John Lith said, hey, can this be death? <laughs> Why, it is better than living. Tell them, tell them, sunrise, I die happy in Jesus. Wow. Martha McCracken, she said, how bright the room, how full the angels. And then she went to heaven. Mary Frances, all of that I could tell you what, what? As she's dying, what joy I, I possess. The Lord does shine with such power upon my soul. And then she went to heaven. Sir David Brewster, he says, I will see Jesus. I'm going to see him as he is. I've had the light for many years. Oh, how bright it is. I feel so safe and satisfied. And went right into heaven. Is what the scripture, testimony. And then, this is awesome. A Muslim woman whose child had died at age 16 asked a Christian missionary. She was upset. She said, what did you do to our daughter? And the missionary replied, we did nothing. Listen to what she said. The mother persisted and said, oh, yes, you did. She died smiling. Our people don't die like that. As it turns out, the girl had found Christ, believed on him just a few months before she died. Fear and death had gone. Hope and joy had taken its place. 
And this is a cool one. Listen to this. This is from a Chinese communist through whom many Christians have been executed, murdered, martyred. Said to a Christian pastor, I've seen many of you die. The Christians die in a different way. What is your secret? Well, I'll tell you what the secret is. It's simply this. We Christians have taken God at his word. We've entrusted our lives to Jesus Christ and his work and his work alone on the cross to take the death penalty in our place. And because of this, he's transformed even our dying into a pleasant goodbye. Man, is God good or what? We don't just get a, the new awesome body. We only get this place where the streets are made of gold. Even our path to get there has been transformed, okay? And so I ask you one last time, is Jesus Christ here today? Is Jesus Christ really, truly your Lord and Savior? Okay? I hate using this analogy, but it, it, unfortunately, as you'll see in a second, but it works. Listen, did you know that going to a church service doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You have to be born again. Going to a church service doesn't save you. Okay? Uh, getting water on you doesn't save you. Okay? Going through a membership class doesn't save you. There has to come a point in time when you entrust your eternal destiny upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not your own works. Not your own goodness because the Bible says we all fall short. Is there a time when you can confidently say, yes, that was the day I called upon Jesus Christ. I took him in his word and said, yes, please save me. Rescue me from hell. I deserve to go there. I'm unworthy for heaven. Please rescue me, save me. I trust in you, Jesus, to get me there. If you haven't done that, you need to take this serious. Because praise God, there's a heaven. But if you were here last week, there really is a hell. And I'm telling you, you don't want to go there. And so I ask you and I beg you one last time, listen, one minute in eternity, it's going to be too late. While you still have air in your lungs, make that choice today. This guy almost found out the hard way. We'll close in prayer after this. It was February of 1975. At that time, I was an alcoholic out of control. Uh, I was also using uh, recreation drugs, but primarily alcohol was my drug of choice. I became ill, and uh, by ill I mean I, I had a severe pain in my abdomen. And I checked into the hospital at Wadley Hospital in Texarkana in February of 1975. At that time in my life, I was an atheist. Uh, I was a hardcore atheist and uh, was living for myself. Uh, atheists uh, are self-centered and they live for themselves but I you know and I had been laying there in a coma and I had heard these people talk about how sick I was and how I was going to die and how I wouldn't get out of the hospital now see it's very easy to be an atheist when you're successful you have worked your way from Oklahoma welfare to being one of the most powerful men in your part of the country, one of the most powerful men in the state of Oklahoma in relationship to political. It's very easy to be an atheist when you have done all of that. Man can sit back and say, I don't need God. What is God? But it's very difficult to be an atheist when you're laying on your deathbed because you begin to think, what if these people are right? See, there's been one man by the name of Ron Short that has stood between me and the gates of hell. 
one man that had witnessed to me about the love of Jesus for five years before I became ill. One man. And, you know, I would debate him. And I liked him because he did what he said he was going to do. I mean, he was the only one that I saw that professed to be Christian that lived what he said he was going to do. Uh, and so I, I really respected him. I didn't believe what he said, but I respected him. But when I'm laying on my deathbed and knowing that I'm going to die, guess who I thought about? I thought about, what if Ron is right? What if there is a heaven and a hell? And so the most immediately, immediately the most pressing thought in my mind is, how do I get saved? What is saved? What is saved? How do I get saved? And so I sent them for Ron Short. I wanted him to come down uh, because I wanted him to do ever what he had to do. I had no idea. How can a man hanging on a tree in Israel 2,000 years ago, what is that to me? But I knew that he had something that I had to have. And that night, see I had him go for Ron, but Ron wasn't home. Ron was in Alabama. And so I had him go and send for Ron. And that night was the longest night that I've ever had in my entire life. I felt untold terror untold terror because I knew that if I ever went all the way if I slipped all the way I would never get back now in my beings of beings I knew that and so I fought all night long they told me later on I not only pulled the mattress cover off of the mattress I pulled the mattress up on me because I had to stay I had to wait I had to wait till Ron got there and I fought all night long and the next morning somewhere 9 30 10 o'clock in came Ron and Ron came in and he says Dr. Whitaker what do they say is your chances I said Ron they tell me I have none he says now's the time and I said you're right I mean I cursed him I'd spit at him but now was the time because I had to have whatever he had. I let Ron lead me in the sinner's prayer and I, I said the sinner's prayer after him. And I can tell you one thing. There was a peace that came over me like I had never known. I'd search for that peace. I'd search for it in the bottles, alcohol. I'd search for it in needles. I'd search for it in drugs. I'd search for it with women. I'd search for it in all types of places. But there was no peace in my life. But once I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was no longer afraid. Now, all of these people that in the New Age movement that believe that everybody's going to heaven, that you can worship anything, you worship a flea, you can, you can squeeze a tree, uh, you can worship a crystal, you can worship the star. I got news for them. They're not, you know, they're not going uh, unless they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because the Word says the only way to the Father is through the Son. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, 
Let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain, and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. 
But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.